Friday's hiatus edition of PFT Live and PFT PM. Plenty to get to today. And I'm going to start with the most recent thing that landed on my radar screen before we started taping today, the news that Packers receiver Devontae Adams and the Packers have broken off contract talks, meaning that he will enter the final year of his contract. Now, let's not be too quick to tie this to the Aaron Rodgers situation. I think it's apples and oranges. Rodgers is unhappy with the front office and wants a contract with a structure that would tie him to the team or more accurately tie the team to him for multiple years, or at least that's what he wanted months ago. We don't know what he wants right now. With Adams, it's very simple. Pay me and I'll stay. And if they don't pay him, he'll play out this season. He'll become a free agent next year unless they franchise tag him and he will move on. He's made it clear he's not going to hold out. So all of a sudden, there isn't this second dark cloud hovering over Lambeau Field with Aaron Rodgers possibly not showing up and now Devontae Adams possibly not showing up. I think Adams said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but basically I'm too cheap to get fined $50,000 a day for not showing up. And because he's already operating under his second NFL contract, that amount is not waivable. It must be paid by the player if he skips training camp. And again, it's 50 grand per day. So I think Adams will be there for Rogers. It's a different calculus altogether. And yeah, look at Aaron Jones. He stayed despite the uncertainty with Aaron Rodgers. Devontae Adams would stay if the money's right. They're, they're going to have a quarterback. The bigger question is this. And I think we're moving toward this point for the NFL generally. As we see every year, great young receivers coming into the National Football League via the draft, at some point, veteran receivers are going to be treated like veteran running backs, where a team can say, do I really need to pay a guy who's been around since 2014 20 million a year when I can use a second round pick, third round pick, maybe a first round pick. And I know the Packers aren't big on using draft picks on receivers, but the point is I may be able to find somebody else who dollar for dollar is a much greater value than the player that I have. So I think that's the direction that the receiver position could be going. And it could be that Devontae Adams is the first test case in that regard. Michael Thomas, a guy who got market value from the Saints a couple of years ago, suffered the ankle sprain week one of last year, kind of in garbage time against the Buccaneers. I remember seeing it happen live thinking, oh, that looks bad. Just the way it happened, got rolled up on by a teammate. That looks bad. And it, it was bad. And it was so bad that he ultimately had surgery. Now, I don't know why he had surgery in June instead of January. He's not going to be available reportedly for the start of the season. That's not good. And my, my first thought, and I know that folks like Sean Payton essentially said fake news or something like that. Look, he's got to say what he has to say. The reality is that Thomas's agents last year before the trade deadline were trying to get someone to make the Saints an offer for Thomas, that the relationship had become fractured. And there were reports about some of the issues the Saints had had with Michael Thomas. Remember, at some point, he was suspended, but not really suspended for a game when we thought he was coming back from the ankle injury. So I, th this can't make a strained relationship better. If at the end of the day, surgery to fix an ankle injury that happened September of last year happens so late in this off season that he's not available at the start of the regular season, that's not good.
And that underscores the fact that maybe this relationship has a shelf life. And maybe once we get to a point where the salary cap consequences would be more manageable for the Saints, something will happen. And that's one of the things I'm going to do this afternoon. Pull up the Michael Thomas contract, look at the cap consequences. You know, the Saints always find a way to create cap space. Maybe there's a way that they could justify trading Michael Thomas before the deadline. Maybe that's what he wants. Uh, regardless, it's, it's, it's far from ideal that one of your best players, due to an injury that happened week one of last year and wasn't operated on until June, is not going to be available at the start of the season. All right, let's get to the biggest story in the NFL, which is crossing over into traditional mainstream news. I was on MSNBC twice today to discuss this. The memo from the NFL to the teams that covers a lot of things, but the big headline is forfeits are in play this year for teams who can't play due to COVID outbreaks among unvaccinated players and or staff. I personally don't believe there will be any forfeits, especially because so many players have been vaccinated. I mean, you take the unvaccinated players off of a roster and just say, hey, they're all not available to play because they all have COVID. We could still play the game. Now, it may get a little more complicated than that. And there are some questions that still need to be answered. But let me just start with the idea that I don't believe there will be forfeits. I think at the end of the day, the league will expect teams to go forward with who they have. And I believe that the practice squads will have 16 players, any or all of whom can be called up as late as 90 minutes before kickoff. So if you're down to 30 guys on your active roster, if you have 23 guys on COVID reserve, you can call up your 16 and you're at 46. And uh, I think as long as they can put 11 guys on the field, they're going to expect these games to go forward. But this isn't about actually having forfeits. This is about making it as clear as it can be that there is a link between getting vaccinated, being available, and helping your team. Flip side, not getting vaccinated, potentially not being available, and ultimately potentially hurting your team if enough unvaccinated players can't play that a forfeit happens, it's on you unvaccinated player. It's your fault. That's the message that this memo is intended to send. And I, look, I have to call it like I see it. Now, part of me wants to just go along with the whole, well, you know, there could be forfeits and, you know, you better get vaccinated because I want the players to choose to get vaccinated. But an honest assessment and interpretation of the memo is they're really not going to turn this car around and drive all the way back home. They're trying to give the unvaccinated players another reason to do it. And also the vaccinated players, another reason to give the side eye to the players who aren't vaccinated. That's what this is about. I'll give you another example. Much has been made about the fact that if a game is canceled, the players won't be paid for any team. And that example has been made within the context of unvaccinated players for one team causing a cancellation beyond the fact that there'll be a forfeit. Oh, by the way, no one gets paid. All the more reason to get vaccinated so you're not one of the ones responsible for the game being canceled. Well, you know what? A game could still be canceled because of an outbreak among vaccinated players and no one would get paid for that either. 
So that's just one of the subtle ways that this memo and the way it's been covered, the way it's been discussed is aimed at getting players who have yet to choose to be vaccinated to change their minds and get it done, plain and simple. And we've seen pushback almost immediately. DeAndre Hopkins tweeted that he has to question his future in the NFL given the stance and the pressure. Now he deleted it and he since made it clear he's still playing. And I think one of the reasons he's still playing is if he would retire, he would owe the Cardinals $22 million he's already received in signing bonus money premised upon him playing the next four seasons. You retire, you owe that money. And I also think part of it is social media becomes the template for venting. The progression of anger to denial, to bargaining, to depression, to acceptance. I think for some players, getting it out of your system, working it out that way, that's part of the process of getting to the point where you need to be, which is I choose to get vaccinated because number one, it's good for me. Number two, it's good for my team. Number three, it's the right thing to do for the society that we're trying to live in here. And uh, hey, to those out there who continue to have whatever anti-vax theory you want to throw against the wall, something that you picked up listening to right-wing commentators and or right-wing politicians, listen to those same folks now before you keep passing along their old talking points. They've all changed their tune, not all of them, but they're getting there. They're getting there. The people who were staunchly anti-vaccine and or using it as kind of a political wedge issue, they're now saying, look, you get out there and you get vaccinated, you may save your own life. And that, that's the one thing that we, that, we, that we really need to hammer home here. Yes, people can still get COVID if they're vaccinated, but you're far less likely to end up seriously sick or dead if you choose to get vaccinated and then ultimately get infected. And yesterday's memo also makes it clear that the players who are vaccinated who test positive, they have a much quicker path back to the game than the players who aren't vaccinated and who test positive. For example, if I'm vaccinated and I test positive, I can return after I have two negative tests at least 24 hours apart with no minimum period of time where I have to not participate in practices or games. If I'm not vaccinated and I test positive, even if I'm completely asymptomatic, I'm out for 10 days, period. That's the distinction between vaccinated and unvaccinated. That's the availability that you have or don't have if you're a player who chooses not to get vaccinated. Also, if you're vaccinated and you have close contact with an infected person this year, you're not knocked out. You're good to go. If you're not vaccinated and you have close contact with an infected person, you're automatically out at least five days. Now, again, we could still get to a point, even with vaccinated players being tested only once every 14 days, we could get to a point where a team has so many vaccinated players who aren't available that they can't play the games. I doubt that that'll happen, but it still could happen. The bottom line is this, it's a lot easier to continue to play. It's a lot easier to come back and play and you will not put your team in a position of ever having to forfeit a game if you get vaccinated. That's the big push that's been made. And people thought the union would have a problem with it. the union's attitude, for example, as it relates to forfeits leading to players not being paid. It's like, hey, those are the rules last year. These are the rules this year. I think the union wants the players to get vaccinated. And I think that if they put it out to a vote of the union, Mandate vaccines, yes or no? The vote would be yes, mandate them because most of the players have already been vaccinated. 75% of the entire NFL Players Association 
has been vaccinated. So majority rules in a union and the majority would be, yes, get vaccinated. And look, they didn't want to make it mandatory for a variety of reasons. And I agree with not making it mandatory. What they've done instead is they've created these incentives and disincentives to get the vaccinated players uh, to get the players vaccinated, to get the unvaccinated, to choose to be vaccinated. And the one thing that I'm gonna to continue to watch very carefully, that is fascinating to me as a former lawyer, and I'll give you an example. There was a case I handled once against a major international retailer who shall remain nameless. And the argument was that the company fired an employee in part because that employee had a lost time injury that resulted in a worker's comp claim. And of course, the stated reasoning is, and the position is, no, we, we didn't consider that at all. We don't consider that. We don't discourage the filing of workers' compensation claims for lost time injuries. But, but meanwhile, the company had incentives that hinged on going a certain period of time without lost time injuries. We'll have a big party, free pizza. We'll have a raffle for a big screen TV. So what that does, it, it, it operates as a way to, to make it clear that, yeah, they do care. They're never going to say that that's the official reason, but at some point they do care. That isn't an issue. And the memo from yesterday would be exhibit one, in my mind, for any grievance that would get filed by a player who says they cut me because I'm not vaccinated. And it's going to be fascinating to see what happens if a player believes that and wants to push it, because the union may not be all that zealous about it, maybe the player has to go find a separate lawyer like Colin Kaepernick did, like Juwan James has done, who will push this very, very, very aggressively. And uh, you may be able to make a pretty good case because even though you're not allowed to cut a guy because he hasn't been vaccinated, the league's policies have created such a clear incentive to cut the guys who aren't vaccinated whether it's avoiding forfeits, whether it's ensuring that your players are available, whether it's avoiding the expenses that would arise from a forfeiture, whatever the case may be, the incentive is there to cut the unvaccinated players. And as we pointed out on Twitter and in one of our articles earlier today, there is one team I'm aware of that has eight players who refuse under any set of circumstances to get vaccinated. Seven of those players will never be cut because they're either too good, too expensive under a salary cap standpoint, it would be too costly to move them or if their salary is guaranteed and they'd have to pay them anyway. So the, those are the players who are most likely to dig in their heels at this point, the players who know that they're untouchable. And it's gonna be interesting to see as time goes by who those players are and whether or not those players end up coming around because there's a real potential for locker room issues. We've written about this in the context of the bills. You've got guys like Cole Beasley and John Feliciano on one side of the equation, anti-vaccine. You've got Jerry Hughes, one of the defensive leaders, cornerstone of the franchise, who's come out and said, guys need to get vaccinated. It's not complicated. Stephon Diggs equating availability and accountability. So the, the teams that, that have these very strong feelings against the vaccine, especially after yesterday's memo, could have some real problems in the locker room. It's going to take some skill from the head coach to keep everyone on the same page and avoid it becoming an issue as the stress and the adversity of the season begin to take root. I think I've covered everything as it relates to what I wanted to talk about with the vaccination issue. One last thing, 
Yesterday's memo mentioned that there will be substantial roster flexibility in 2021. That hasn't been finalized yet, but I'm told that what it's leaning toward is exactly what we saw last year. 16-person practice squad. Any summer, all of them can be called up at least 90 minutes before the game. And the injured reserve twist with players eligible return after only three weeks. An unlimited number of players can be put on IR and come back after only three weeks. That's huge from a roster flexibility standpoint. Not finalized yet, but it's moving in that direction. A couple of other things before we wrap up. Howard Eskin, who works sidelines for the official Eagles radio broadcast, said yesterday on WIP in Philly that if Deshaun Watson is traded, he believes there's a 90% likelihood he's traded to the Eagles. Now, He's not saying that Deshaun Watson will be traded. And I'm told that the Texans still aren't listening and talking and considering a possible trade. But things can happen over the course of the next week. There could be at any time, in theory, a settlement of the Deshaun Watson 22 lawsuits. There could be an announcement by the league or at least a private communication to Watson, the Texans, and interested teams that he won't be placed on paid leave. So good to go. Can be traded if you're willing to trade for a guy who has the 22 lawsuits pending. But if a trade were to happen, the Eagles are a team to watch very carefully. And even if you'd be looking at an unpaid suspension at some point, you're getting one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He's going to play for you for 10 or 15 years, assuming that you keep him happy and you don't become the next Texans where he wants out at some point. But it doesn't surprise me that the Eagles would be at the at the front of the line, especially if he's traded now. After the season, I think more teams will be in play. For now, I'd watch Eagles, Dolphins, Broncos, and I agree with Eskin's assessment. Without doing the same level of work, I think the Eagles would be one of the first teams there. Last one, Stephon Gilmore on the physically unable to perform list, but reported for camp. That's key because if you're going to hold out, if, if you're going to deny services in order to get the contract you want, don't show up. Once you show up and leave, the team has all the leverage under the CBA. The CBA gives you the right to not show up. And if you're willing to pay the fines and, 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 and deal with the potential for losing game checks, you have the power to hold out. If you show up and leave, they can send you what's called the five-day letter. If you don't show up within five days, they can put you on the reserve slash left squad list and you're shut down for the year, and you can't play for anybody. So the fact that he showed up is significant. Now, he's on the pup list. Could this be, and we've seen this before, where there's kind of a loose understanding, we're, we're not going to put the guy on the practice field until we work out his contract. This could be good news for Patriots fans, that it's the precursor to getting a deal done. The question becomes, and this has happened before, a player who doesn't hold out shows up and basically holds in, won't practice, won't put himself at physical risk of any kind until the contract is resolved. Sometimes the team is on board with that. Sometimes the team is not. Let's see what questions we have today before we call it quits. Scrolling for the GIF, it's, it's been a few, here it is, Jim dressed as Dwight. What do we got here? Uh, let's see, let's see. Tom Marshall, a red zone out. Are the 49ers really going to pay Jimmy Garoppolo 25 million for this year? Look, I won't believe it until the salary locks in and for players with four or more years of service, a non-guaranteed salary becomes as a practical matter guaranteed as of week one. I know Jed York, the owner of the team has said, hey, if we end up keeping Jimmy Garoppolo and paying him $50 million over the next two years while Trey Lance develops, 
That's just part of the investment we're making in Trey Lance. It's kind of a weird way to make an investment since there's a third party who's getting $50 million along the way. I still think that if Lance looks like he could be the guy right away, we could see a trade of Jimmy Garoppolo. He'd have to take less money probably to facilitate a trade. Or we could see the 49ers go to Garoppolo and say, look, we'll keep you on the team. We're not paying you $25 million. We'll pay you $10 million to be the backup or the short-term starter or whatever the case may be. And there's still a chance they'll cut him before week one. That, that, that's the only thing that would make sense. The problem with the 49ers, it's been so nonsensical as they've gone from this quarterback to this quarterback. We want this guy. We want this guy. What do we want? What do we want? I think they're still reeling from the fact that they didn't do their due diligence on Patrick Mahomes. And then last year they said no to Tom Brady. They're trying desperately to rectify that by finding a franchise quarterback. And they don't want to put Trey Lance out there until they think he's ready. And they're going to run the risk if they do that of letting Jimmy Garoppolo be healthy all year and maybe take the team to the Super Bowl and win it. And then you got a huge problem in 2022. Good problem to have if you get to the Super Bowl and win it. Don't get me wrong. But what if you just get to the NFC Championship game and Garoppolo plays all year? What if you get to the Super Bowl and lose it? What do you do in 2022? All right. Let's see what else we have here. A lot of this stuff is, is things we've discussed within the past few days. PFTPM policy. How much of it all do you think putting the all-time NFL quarterback records as far out of reach as he can, even in an increasingly pass-happy league, is fueling Tom Brady to play longer? I Look, I, I think that at some level he cares about exiting the game with all those records and holding them as long as he can. But the one that he really cares about is the total number of Super Bowl wins. He's taken four, which was the record, Joe Montana and Terry Bradshaw, and he's almost doubled it. And if he can get one more, he's doubled it. My math skills still at the high end of the spectrum. But that's, I think, what drives him at this point. Number one, showing he can play at a high level this far into his age. And second, winning as many Super Bowls as he can. As he, as he always says, his favorite Super Bowl ring is the next one. Now that he's gotten number seven officially, and those things are gigantic, I, I think they're a little bit too big. I don't know how you top this one, but uh, he'll now reset on trying to get to number eight, which, which uh, may have like a, 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 a TV screen built into it or something by the time they're done designing it, if they would win it again. All right, let's see what else we have here. Uh, Lee Dale, UK. Hello from London. Can't wait for you guys to get over here with potential of forfeiting games. How long would not being paid work for the not forfeiting teams players? The entire thing looks like a fight waiting to happen. Look, the union's fine with it. And again, I don't believe there's going to be any forfeits. I think this is just the hammer to get the unvaccinated players to get vaccinated. All right, HS Micken, what's the ceiling for the Vikings this season? I would say in the NFC and the turmoil in Green Bay, and you look around the conference, I'd say, number one, this is their year to get to the playoffs because high-end analytics, odd number of years they get to the playoffs, even number of years they don't. I think the NFC championship game would be their ceiling. And then whichever team becomes the hot team in the NFC is the team that will be the buzzsaw that they can't get past in the NFC championship game. Uh, Paul Zulak, any updates in the Brit Reed legal matter? There are none at this point, although there are still plenty of unanswered questions about where he drank alcohol and who knew and what was done or not done about it. 
at Tree True, will the Steelers ever go back to Latrobe for training camp? I assume they'll be back there next year. I hope they'll be back there next year. This was just a situation in 2021 where they wanted to go and the league didn't approve of their plan. And, and I think one of the issues is just space. It, it's not big enough when there is value placed on the ability to keep people spread out. All right, let's see what else we have here. PFT PM Posse says there is a high demand for an old school questions only version of PFT PM where you discuss grilling, bowling, driving your car, et cetera, while going down the list of questions. Uh, oh, well, maybe we'll do that at some point over the course of the next two weeks. Uh, let's see what else. I think that's pretty much it. I think we've covered everything we can for today. We'll be um, updating all weekend long, three teams at training camp. The rest of them arrive next week. News galore, developments, tweets, controversies. And uh, before you know it, football season will be in full force for the first time ever, 17 games per team, assuming no forfeits. NFL's biggest season ever coming in just about 50 days. So check us out all weekend long. We'll be back and do this again on Monday. Thanks as always for some of your time and we'll see you again real soon.